nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Our scripture verse for this week is a rather long one. It is Isaiah 53, 12. Let's say this together. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53:12. There's an Old Testament verse about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the marvelous work that he has done. All right, I believe that's all I need to share at this time. If our ushers would come, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Let's take our Bibles and open to Psalm 68. Psalm number 68. Again, I want to highlight our theme through the month of February, which is National Bible Publishing Month. And we put a great emphasis upon the publishing of God's Word and uh, why we as a local church should be Involved, As I've mentioned, in the Old Testament, it was Israel that had the custodialship of the Word of God. But now in the New Testament and the New Testament era of the church age, it is the local church that has the custody of God's Word to protect it, to preserve it, to declare it, distribute it, and uh, preserve its purity. And you know what? It's a wonderful job. It's a wonderful work. But then... Every ministry that God has raised up for us is a wonderful work. And this is just one of the many that is truly wonderful. Uh, Let me rehearse what God has done through Foothills Baptist Church through 2003 when we first got involved. And... uh, Going up to Pocatello, Mountain Valley Baptist Church, and being with them, uh, on Thursday I preached their Valentine's banquet. Saturday they had a seed line work day, one of their first of this nature. And it was a flashback of when we started They had one single knife trimmer to work with. They had a couple of staplers to work with. And everybody was trying to figure out how to work with all of this and and, uh, just getting involved and doing that. And, you know, that's where we started. We started with um, one single knife trimmer, two staplers, and uh, uh, a pallet full of scriptures to be able to assemble. And it was a blessing to see them involved and, and to know that they're excited about moving forward with that ministry, wanting it to grow and expand in, in, in similar ways to how ours has grown over the years. I guess it's been 20 years now. Over the 20 years, we have done just over two and a third million John Romans here. And with our mobile project, we've worked through all of this. Uh, We've done that in 21 languages. 
They have been shipped to uh, 35, 36 or so different countries. Some of them, once we get them assembled and returned either to Milford uh, or Rapid City, we're not entirely sure where they get shipped to. And so there may be more countries. We know for a fact that the John Romans that we have worked on have gone to these 35 or 36 countries. I forget what is our last uh, number that we have there. But sometimes uh, some of these languages get shipped to other countries that we're not aware of. And, and so uh, we've been able to do that. Uh, we have uh, over 300,000 in our storage to work on right now. We've been working on a Chechua English parallel that will be going to Malawi. And uh, I might mention, uh, we thought our next project was not going to be available until the end of March. They're going to have it here in two weeks. And so we have just a few hundred left downstairs we need to get finished up so that they can be ready to ship as well. We've worked on French Creole. We will work on Portuguese. We'll work on Spanish. And uh, I think a later project that we'll be getting is Tagalog. That'll be going to the Philippines. And so this is a tremendous work that God has given to our church family. Now sometimes, how do you explain to somebody the seed line ministry when they've never heard that term or what it is. And and so uh, if I use the term publishing or publishing the Word of God, uh, we're a part of the publishing process. Uh, The uh, signature pages are printed either at Rapid City or Milford, Ohio, and we get them in and then we assemble them. Uh, Some of the covers are pre-printed and brought here. We print some of the covers that that we uh, assemble John Romans with and, and put them together. We take care of part of the shipping, but not all of the shipping. I believe once or twice, it's not been often that we actually covered the shipping costs to go overseas. Uh, It is better for us to get them back to the uh, printer that has printed them. They have the means for overseas shipping better than we do. And uh, to give you an idea of the cost, it would cost more per booklet to pay for the overseas shipping than what we pay to do a booklet, get the materials here, assemble them, pay for the materials, and get them back to the point for shipping. And so we've just not been able to be involved in the overseas shipping. We let somebody else take care of that and what a blessing it has been. And from time to time, we get reports of how God has used the word on the foreign field. Do understand, and I know many are aware of this, In third world countries and and in many places where they're really looking for literature to read, it is not uncommon that up to seven people will read one John Romans booklet. And when we get to heaven, maybe we'll find out how many people have been saved as a result of the two and a third million, a little over two and a third million that we have done. And we're moving forward as fast as the Lord will enable us. So this morning, I want to consider a passage that highlights the publishing of God's Word, and that is here in Psalm 68. It'll be in verse 11. We'll read it in just a moment. 
But certainly we understand in the Old Testament time when David wrote this, they didn't have a Gutenberg press or any other kind of press to where they could just print it off like we do today. And in fact, in many times, the word of God certainly came uh, audibly to the prophet and to the one that was to declare it. Sometimes at, at that immediate point, it was written down. Sometimes it was publicly declared and then written down. But it was important to God that it was written down for preservation for generations to come. But in that time period, not everybody was able to get a copy. And when the word of the Lord came, it was heralded mostly verbally to the people. Uh, published could mean to preach or to herald, to make sure that the people received it. Within the context of this, David is uh, exalting the Lord and looking towards the millennial kingdom when the Lord will reign in the millennial kingdom, but also victory over battles they had fought. And it reveals the problem that sin brings. It reveals the victories that God gives over sin and over the oppressor of God's people. And then it looks forward to the great things that God has for us today. So even in the midst of this messianic psalm, the divine principle of God giving the word and God's people publishing it to get it to others is the focus of this verse. Let's stand together. Let's do something that we've not done for a while. It is only one verse. So let's read it in unison. Let's read it together. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Father, we come to you this morning as we consider this text. And Father, what a, what a wonderful uh, divine principle that you have given to us. Now, Lord, we do ask that we will be encouraged, that we will be reminded this morning as a church family why the Seed Lane ministry, the publishing of God's Word, is such an important ministry and why we are committed to it. And then, Father, we pray that you would be glorified through this message, that we would be challenged. And even as we consider why we do this ministry, there may be somebody that is uncertain of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Use the teaching of the Word of God to bring them to Jesus Christ. We pray in his precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to begin with that introductory word. The Lord gave. That is so crucial. Every word of God's word is important. Here's a phrase that, that we want to highlight with its importance. The Lord gave. This has to do with the origin of the word of God. Where did it come from? Do you know there, there's a lot of books to publish that can be published. There's a lot of religious books that could be published. But everything else was written by man. And now in some books that are published, they are written by godly men or godly women that are teaching true biblical principles. And those are great to be published. But there's no other book that has been published, written, recorded, distributed like the Bible. Because its contents come directly from God. I want you to look at a couple of passages. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
First Timothy chapter 3. And verse 16. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 16. 2 Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now let me just stop there. All scripture. We believe this entire book is the scripture and is given by God. The word inspiration simply means breathed out. God breathed. That he instilled these words into the human authors that penned the word of God. While God used the various personalities and the backgrounds of the different authors, he gave them the words, not the thoughts, not merely the ideas, but the very word that he wanted them to say. From Amos the herdsman that walked walk behind the herds, and, uh, and he was just a, a, a rural guy, uh, a rancher, a cattleman, a sheep herder. God used him, but he used his personality and his background and, and even his vocabulary, but God gave him just the right words to pin down. You go into the New Testament, Luke, who is Dr. Luke, he was a doctor. God used his personality. God used his education. God used his vocabulary. And so God gives them the word, the very words to write down. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. And he gives us why. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now turn over to the book of Peter. Again, it will be Second Peter. The book of Second Peter. Chapter 1. And I will begin with verse 19, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so the Bible is very clear to remind us and to teach us that it wasn't man's idea to write Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ephesians, First or Second Thessalonians. These were godly men holy men of God that were moved and compelled by the Holy Spirit to write down the words of God that you and I might know the, the mind of God and what he has for us today. Now, somebody would say, well, that's the Bible saying that the Bible is credible. I understand that. But Hebrews 11 says, evidences for our faith. And time will not allow me to go through all of the evidences that you can find about the Bible to know that it is absolutely true. 
Let me repeat one that I know I've repeated often. But in the Old Testament, there was over 330 meticulous, specific prophecies about the earthly time of Jesus Christ that were fulfilled minutely. There's evidence for the validity and the authority and the accuracy of God's Word. And the list goes on how we can know for certain that the Bible is the Word of God given from God and by God through holy man. John 20 verse 31 says that these things are written that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. God revealed himself with the purpose that you could know God and then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation. Do you know there's a lot of people around the world that know there is a God? But they don't know the God of the Bible. Because they don't know the God of the Bible, they have invented an imaginary God and do some horrific things because of an imaginary God. And so we know that man knows there has to be a God. But God gave the Bible so they could know who God is. And not only knowing who God is, but that they could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive eternal life. There are people around the world, and in some places they don't even have any scripture in their language, and they don't know about God. They know there is a God, but they do not know God as he has revealed himself. And every time we are able to provide a scripture for somebody in some of those regions, it may be the first opportunity that they will have ever had to know God. And that is the Bible. God gave it. That's why he gave it. What do you believe about this book? The Word of God. Its origin. Its authority. What you believe about the validity of the Word of God. The purity of its preservation. What you believe will determine what you believe about God. And what you believe about God and what you believe about His Word will determine how you will respond and how you will live. It is so important that they have the Word of God. We believe God gave this Word. We do not believe it out of gullibility, but with divine evidences that have validated that this is true, the Word of God. We believe the bad news that it contains, that all have sinned and are condemned to an eternal hell. But we also believe the good news that says that Christ tasted death for every man. That he died that we might have eternal life. God gave. What did he give? He gave the word. These 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament... They were written by about 40 authors over a period of a 1,500-year span, plus or take just a few years there. Now, folks, here is one of the testimonies to the validity of God's Word. That there is absolute unity and continuity.
from Genesis to Revelation. There is not starting out in one direction and then changing and going another direction and disagreeing with the early writers and and having a new idea with later writers. There is absolute perfect continuity with about 40 writers over 1,500 years. Now, folks, you take the Quran. I'm not sure how many human authors were involved in that. Uh, I would understand mostly was by one. But the latter portion adamantly disagrees with the early portion. If I understand correctly, in the early portion, it talks about uh, the goodness of Jesus Christ and, and it talks about some of the Bible and, and talks about some things that are agreeable and acceptable and Christians. And then later it says, kill the Jews and kill the Christians and hate them. Obviously, there's not continuity in that book even with limited authors. But God gave the word. And over such a period of time with a vast diversity of writers, from prophets to herdsmen to doctors to fishermen, perfect unity. Over 3,000 prophecies have already been fulfilled, and there's over 3,000 yet to be fulfilled. It has stood the test of time, of hatred, and opposition. It is more than a book. I find it unique how the Bible represents itself with certain symbolic words that really give us an idea of what this book is about. You see, it's not just a book to go out and press minds. It's a book to go present Jesus Christ and save souls. Here's some of the symbolic words that are used. First, it is a book of light in a darkened world. Psalm 119, verse 105 Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The New Testament in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 26 says, No, this one would be verse 13 and 14. Uh, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. We see here that he is given light through the word of God. It is light. You'll find the same thing in 2 Peter 1.19. We read that previously. This Bible is a light to the origin of humanity. You know, that's one of the biggest questions that mankind seems to have, and they've looked in strange places and in strange ways. But it gives us light to how it all started and where it all came from. I enjoy uh, watching from time to time uh, certain uh, uh, programs that deal with uh, the wildlife around the world and, and uh, some of the insects, the fish, the animals, the vegetation, the, the geography, and, and all of that. But one thing that just 
irritates me is they will speak. Now, this began 1.2 million years ago. And here's the irony. The people that believe that say, well, they can't believe the Bible. It just sounds like a fairy tale. But the host of people that believe the reports of evolution it is a bigger fairy tale. It should be to them. Their dating processes have not been proved accurate, but because they don't want to admit their problems, they won't acknowledge that. There was nobody there to write a record about the date or time any of that happened. It is all 100% speculation out of the imagination of someone's mind. That's what it is. Absolutely. Nobody was there. Nobody was around to prove it. Now, there was somebody present the first week after creation. That was Adam. But do you know what? And they find that difficult to believe. There's more evidence for creation and no evidence for evolution. In fact, interestingly, I understand there are many atheistic scientists that are abandoning the theory of evolution because they're finally admitting it doesn't work. It can't be right. But this is a book that gives light about the origin. It gives light to expose the sin problem. And folks, as our country has abandoned God and abandoned God's word and God's principles for life, family, marriage, government, it is becoming uh, overwhelmed with corruption and sin. More people are going to counselors than I've ever heard when what they need to hear is the gospel. Now, I'm not denying there are certain real aspects of mental illness and mental concern. But there's an awful lot that a good dose of the Bible could help. But the sin problem. Why does a civilization become so violent? Why does a civilization do this? Why does this happen? Do you know what? The Bible exposes it. If you want rock-solid answers why there is such a problem in our country today, go to the Bible and you'll know why. It is a light to reveal God's plan of redemption and hope. Not only did he expose and, and shed light on our sin problem, but he gives us the light to know how God planned to solve it. He sent his only begotten son to die on the cross and lay three days dead in a grave and resurrect on the third day and then ascend to heaven at the right hand of the father and applied the blood of the lamb of God to atone for sin. It not only gives us the bad news, but the good news as well. It is a light to reveal how marriage should work. It is a light to reveal how the family should work. And folks, marriage is a wonderful thing between a man and a woman as God planned it. 
if there is ever any problem in a marriage, that means there's a sin problem in the marriage. There would never be a problem in a marriage if there was never sin. Now, since we cannot become sinless in this mortal life, there's going to be sin. And if you want to solve a marriage problem, identify the sin, and you'll solve that marriage problem. Simple as that. Same way with the family. Same with the way with the government. If you want to know why there's a problem with our government... If you want to, want, want to know why there is tyranny and corruption that is taking over our country, it's sin. Just putting new and different faces in the office will not solve the sin problem. We've got to deal with the sin. So you see, it is a light to reveal how marriage, how family, how government, how life is to work. This book is more than just a religious book. It is a book that gives light to how God intended life to happen. Then it is a book that is a seed of life. In Luke chapter 8, we won't take time to turn to that particular passage, but the Lord gives a parable. And in this parable, he he says a sower goes forth and he scatters the seed and, and the seed falls on four different types of ground. And then the Lord explains that parable. And in verse 11, he says, the seed is the word of God. And we see that the four soils are four different types of heart that the seed can fall into or be placed into. But the seed is the word of God. You see, a seed can set in a dry storage for years, but once planted, then it can bring forth life. Jesus said he came to not only give us life, new life, eternal life, but abundant life in the here and now as well. And it is a seed that gives forth light, our life. It's amazing how a seed works how it goes down into the soil typically and the moisture and how it begins breaking up and basically losing its own identity to give life to the new plant. But it gives life. And that's what the Word of God is. It not only sheds light on what the sin problem is, but it gives the light to show us God's answer and it's called the seed and the seed tells us about Jesus Christ of how we can have new life in Jesus Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what this book is about. It is scattering the seed, the gospel message in community after community after community around the world into individuals' hands after individual after individual to plant the seed, the word of God into their heart that it may bring forth faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God that through God's word souls can be saved. And so it is a light. It is also a seed of life. But there is more. The book is a water for spiritual cleansing. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of the water by the word. It is a means of cleansing. Do you know sin makes a dirty, ugly mess of life? 
Just look at what's going on in our culture. Just look at somebody that abandons God's truth and lives the way of the world. I'm not saying some of them cannot become extremely successful and extremely uh, wealthy. But do you know some of the most wealthy people in our culture are some of the most depressed people because of sin in their life? And it just makes a dirty, ugly mess. Over and over, we hear of people committing suicide. And the numbers, I believe, are expanding in our culture. Many of our veterans, the number that that commits suicide every day, they've come to the point there's no hope. I've never yet heard of one person who became a believer and had a real relationship with God and walked with God that ever committed suicide. I've never heard of one. I've heard of some. I know of one. I could mention one that was prescribed a medication. He was, to my understanding, trying to live with the Lord, but was given a, a prescribed medication that did such horrible things to his mind that he did commit suicide. But it was the medication that altered the things in his mind so he could not think clearly. But folks... Sin makes a dirty mess. And there's been many a sinner who have felt that their sinful life was too dirty for God to forgive and to cleanse. You know how sad and how tragic for somebody to feel that way and to think that when that's not true. The grace of God can reach the heart of any sinner who will come through repentance. Any sinner. It doesn't make any difference how messy the life has been, how ugly the life has been, the horrible things that a person may have done, and and, and certainly it's good that they would feel remorseful and for what they have done, and they would sense that it, it is a horrible thing that they have done. But it is sad when they think that it is too bad for God to forgive. Because God can forgive. And that is the cleansing of the word of God. That that when we come and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us from all sin. That's the great work of God. That's, it's the water. The word of God teaches that, that our God can forgive. You don't have to go to the grave and go to hell because you feel like you cannot be forgiven. God's forgiveness is bigger than man's imagination. He will trade our filthy garments for his robes of righteousness. It is not only a book of light that reveals sin, but it is a book of how God cleanses the sinner. You can take Saul the Pharisaical persecutor and legal killer. 
got saved and God changed his life. Take Mary Magdalene who was cleansed from seven demons and God changed her life. The Samaritan woman who was forgiven and her heart cleansed from a life of adultery. Nicodemus, the self-righteous man that thought he was so good, but even his heart was cleansed. John Newton, a vulgar slave trader, or Billy Sunday, a drunken pro baseball player. Each God can forgive and cleanse. Oh, and let's not forget you and me. You see, the book is a water for spiritual cleansing. It shows us how God can cleanse our hearts. It is so much more and and beyond, but let me give you just one more. This book is a spiritual book of nourishment for the child of God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes desire sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's about three or four different things that the word of God is symbolically spoken of. Here it is the milk. In Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 through 14 speaks not only of it as milk, but as meat. It is amazing how the Word of God has the simplest of truths for the babe in Christ, the new believer. You can come to the Gospel of John and to the book of Romans and to the book of Philippians and and to certain of these books and be able to understand how to be saved, but also understand the assurance of God and understand the things that, that newborn babes in Christ need to understand. But it is also meat. And it talks about meat for those that that have a mature body that can eat and handle the meat and digest it. You don't give that to a a, a three-day-old infant. Their, Their body can't handle it. But you get a little older, and we can handle meat. And it's okay to eat meat. God said it's okay. But do you know the Word of God is there for, for the one that has grown in Christ and, and has read the Bible? I, I have been a believer. I, I, I couldn't tell you how many years, most all of my life, I was saved as a child. And I've read the Bible many times. I, I've not kept track of how many times I've read through the Bible. Over 35 to 40 years, I've been preaching God's Word. And I still read the Bible daily. It is amazing out of all of these years of reading and studying how the great truths come out of the pages. Not new truth. There's no new truth. Somebody start talking about new truth, they're in trouble. I start talking about new and truth, it's time to say, preacher, you're done. There's no new truth. But there's truth that maybe I didn't recognize. I didn't see it when I read it. And the more we read and the more we study, the more we understand. We start putting pieces together. 
and it's meat for, for the one that, that uh, wants to continue to read and study God's word and, and to know God in a greater way. I, I knew a deacon. He's not a part of our church, has not been a part of our church for many, many years. But I knew a deacon that once said, I read the Bible once. I don't need to read it anymore. He's no longer a deacon. <laughs> we do need to read the Word. Not only is it milk for simplicity, but it's meat that will take us into the depths of broader understanding of the workings of God. But it's also bread. It is what sustains us day after day after day. You face this trial and you face another trial and you face another trial and you need the sustenance of the bread uh, of the word of God that upholds you and strengthens you and, and keeps you going in those days that can be dark days and struggling days and disappointing days and hard days. And it's that sustenance that takes us through day by day by day and gives us the strength that we need. You see, this is just no ordinary book. It is a book that gives us hope. It gives us direction. It gives us purpose. It gives us understanding. It gives us instruction. It gives us the strength and correction we need day by day. It is a book, not only light unto salvation in a spiritually dark world, it is the seed that shows us the way of life. It shows how our life can be forgiven and cleansed by Jesus Christ and then provides the understanding of this new and abundant life. This is why we want to be a part of the great company that published the word. We are providing the most essential thing needed by every man, woman, and child around the world. Maybe they don't want it. Maybe it's atheistic and they don't believe in God. But do you know what? A sh two different shoe salesmen, the story goes, were sent into the depths of Africa, into the primitive tribes and everything, thinking to have a new market to sell shoes. The first salesman gets into there and he sends a, a telegram back home. That tells you how old it is. Today they'd send a text. But he sent a telegram back home and he said, forget it. Nobody wears shoes here and gets ready to head home. The second sales representative shows up and looks around and he says, ship a truckload. Nobody has them. Everybody needs them. <laughs> Do you know what? Just because in an atheistic culture nobody believes God doesn't mean they don't need God. We have what everybody needs. I believe someday it will be revealed in heaven that the ministry, the seedline ministry of Foothills Baptist Church will have been a part of getting God's word to a multitude in places that never before had an opportunity to know God. And we supplied the John Romans for that. I believe there will be souls saved because of it. We want to provide that light. We want to provide the good news. But do understand the good news 
is only good to them if they understand the bad news. If they don't understand that all have sinned and all are under the curse of an eternity in hell, if they don't understand that, they will not understand the need for a vicarious Savior on the cross. But also good news is only good if we get it to them before it's too late. My wife and I have to chuckle when we were doing building and things like that. I would need something to try to, I I would need a particular tool because what I was using wasn't getting the job done. And so she'd say, I'd go get the tool. And so she'd run to go get it. And I wouldn't just stand there waiting for her to come back. I'd still work on it. And by the time she gets back, I've already got it fixed. And, and so that almost became a running joke when we were doing the building. And she was there too late to help with it. Now that we can chuckle about. But how tragic it would be to be a day late, a year late, delivering the gospel to somebody that died the day before. It's only good news if we get it to them before it's too late. Let us understand and be reminded as a church family why we have the Seedline Ministry, why we are committed, why we do the labor, why we uh, expend the finances to do this is so that we can publish the word of God so they may know him and believe on him before it's too late. Great was the company of those that published it. Let us be a part of that great company. Father, we come to you this morning and what a tremendous work that you have given to us. And Father, I know from week to week and sometimes from day to day, It's just flat a lot of work. And sometimes it gets to be a bit tedious. And sometimes we forget why we do this. And so, Father, this morning I pray that this message will remind us, strengthen us, encourage us, and maybe even for some, restore the joy of the work you have given to us. And, oh God... Most importantly, we pray that thousands of souls will be saved because of it. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, Please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 930, Sunday school at 1050, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are living by faith in Jesus above.
1360 and the uncensored radio you get to listen to every day? KHNC has launched a listener sponsorship fundraiser to raise the money needed to replace our old failing transmitter. Your generous donation will help make this much-needed upgrade happen so you and future generations can continue to hear the uncensored truth for decades to come. By donating and becoming a KHNC sponsor, you will receive the new AM1360 t-shirt, a bumper sticker, and the new limited edition one-ounce pure silver KHNC coin. Also, for being part of this exclusive group, you will receive the monthly KHNC newsletter. 
The sponsorship package requires a minimum donation of $100, although donations of any amount will be greatly appreciated. You can help us purchase the new transmitter by going to 1360KHNC.com and clicking the Donation tab at the top of the page. Again, that's 1360KHNC.com and click the Donation tab. Thank you. Hi, folks. I'm James Morgan, a realtor with Grisham & Associates, LLC. I know it must seem like there's a million realtors out there making all kinds of promises. Want to hear my big marketing promise? I promise honest and fair dealings with all those I do business with. That may sound old-fashioned, and it is not very catchy, but it is true. I am your Colorado real estate specialist, farmland, mountain cabins, or urban dwellings. When you work with my team, we'll get the right property for you and be upfront and honest with you every step of the way. Over the years, my clients have told me just that fact alone separates us from others in the industry. If you are considering buying or selling real estate, call me, James Morgan, at 720-203-0731 or visit my website at coloradoproperties.online. No catchy slogan, just a client-first, honest real estate experience. Hit it, girls. Keep listening to the American Freedom Network. All of your electronic devices can be severely damaged by lightning bolts and power surges. Even worse, an EMP attack can destroy everything, leaving our technology-dependent society with no technology. But don't let that be you. Go to EMPShield.com and put KHNC in the promo code box. EMP Shield is an electromagnetic pulse, solar flare, and lightning protection system made to protect you and your electronics. Again, go to EMPShield.com and type KHNC in the promo code box. EMPShield.com. This is Tammy with Naturally Inspired Health Network. We created a group with real solutions for healthy living. Providers with products and services we trust. Need pain relief? Christy Sullivan, Vitality for Life. Want acupuncture? Debbie Ireland, Touch of the East. Looking for a medical doctor? Dr. Sharon Montez, Living Well Health Group. Solutions for health insurance? Wendy Scipioni, MPB Health. NaturallyInspiredHealthNetwork.com. Connecting people with real solutions for health. Holy flypaper! Join me, JD Plorable, for Swamp Fight Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays and Sundays at noon, right here on AM 1360. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. 